God for each of you who've come to join us. We thank God for his blessings and his mercy and his kindness to each of you. We praise God for those who are joined in watching us virtually as well. We pray God's blessing over you wherever you might be. I'm just grateful to be in God's house just one more time. Just another day that the Lord has allowed me to live and I'm praise God that I'm here in his house giving him the praise, the glory and the honor because he is due all of those. Thank God for each of you, for those who are tuning in virtually, for those who are here in person. It's good to see your shining faces, and I pray that God has been a blessing to you all through the week. Uh, we shared a, a few weeks ago that God had given me a few series of sermons, not a series that I really could name, but it's just God knows in his collective uh, mind what he was putting together. And we talked on last week about the, the captivity of shame. You know how we can be held captive by some of the things that we've done, by our sinful nature, by the things that we are still doing, that we are yet seeking God's forgiveness for. And God, on this week, God wanted me to share with you. He wanted me to remind you that he loved you first. God loved you first. In fact, point at somebody and just look at them and say, God loved you first. For those who are watching virtually, why don't you hashtag that God loved you first? I want you to be reminded of that because when we talked on last week about shame, sometimes the devil can have our mindset as such that we do not redeem all of the blessings of God because we feel too shameful because of what we've done or because of our past or the things that we yet struggle with because we are yet struggling. Let me testify for myself. I'm yet struggling and God is yet redeeming and extending his grace and his mercy in my direction. And I'm great to God for that. And today I just want to remind you that despite your struggle, despite what you're going through, you still need not feel shame because God loved you first. Amen. Let's go to the word of the Lord. We're going to first John chapter four and we'll be looking at verses seven through eleven. Again, that's first John chapter four. And we'll be looking at verses seven through eleven. I'm reading from the King James version on this morning. If you'll follow along with me. First John chapter four, verse seven reads like this. Beloved, let us not let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Heavenly Father, open our hearts, our minds and our spirits to be receptive to that which you're giving to us in these few destiny moments. Let us understand that these are important moments where we must grab hold to where your word is taking us and allow that word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Let none of us leave this encounter the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen, and be blessed. Again, our thought for this morning is God loved you first. When I think about the importance of God loving us, I think also of how Sometimes we might be difficult to love. And if you can't think of yourself as difficult to love, why don't you think of somebody in your life who you consider to be difficult to love? And if you can't think about it, then I might be talking about you. 
Can't think of anybody else than the person that I'm speaking about is you. But really, more collectively, I'm talking about all of us. We all have difficulty sometimes being loved. There are things about us that are difficult to love. When I think about something that is difficult to love, I, I, my mind was taken to the porcupine. Think about a porcupine. If ever there was a species that was difficult to love, that had an argument that they did not deserve love, it would be the porcupine. The name porcupine comes from the French from prickly pig. Porcupines are rodents who, with a coat of sharp spines or quills that defend them from predators. Porcupines are the third largest of the rodents, and most porcupines are about 30 inches long uh, with an 8 to 10 inch long tail weighing about 15 to 30 pounds. Their entire body, with the exception of their belly and their legs, is covered with sharp quills. The porcupine's quills, which are actually hardened barbed hairs, are its primary source of protection. That's what keeps it from predators. They can, however, slap their quill tail with lightning speed in the direction of an attacker if a predator comes too close. And it will get a nose or a limb full of sharp, hard quills, which can cause nasty infections or even death. Porcupines thereby are solitary animals. They rarely socialize. This fact makes it makes it a wonder that they are not extinct. How do porcupines then survive and even thrive? Well, first of all, to socialize, they flatten their quills so that they do not hurt each other. Sometimes they put their paw on another porcupine's shoulder to let them know that they are being friendly. In winter times, they even come together and group together so that they can be warm and survive the winter. Bottom line, they make it work. And I want to let all of us know that all of us have quills. Look at your neighbor and say, you have quills. <laughs> we have quills. We have devices. We have walls that tend to separate us. They're constructed to defend us, sometimes emotionally and socially and some even physically. We protect ourselves. We mask our insecurities. We hide our frailties and disguise our disappointments. And some of us, being honest, are more prickly than others. Have you ever stuck someone else with your quills when they got too close? Said something you wish that you could take back. Left a conversation with an ugly remark or an ugly look. Failed to speak or to return a call to a neighbor. Not visited or attended to a friend who was in need. These walls we construct are hindrance to us loving each other the way that God desires. And even though we're that difficult to love, God yet loved us first. He loved us. And when we think about loving first... In the context of romantic relationships, oftentimes you'll find it, particularly in modern times, that people are not so quick to say they love the other person. In fact, sometimes that is considered a position of weakness. Whoever says they love the other one first is considered to be the weaker partner. So we restrain and withhold our feelings towards each other because we do not want to give up our dominant position to protect with our quills our feelings. We're trying to protect our emotions. So we leave our quills up. We leave our walls up. We're masking our insecurities. We don't tell people we love them, particularly in the romantic setting, because that exposes us. 
That exposes us to being hurt. That exposes our feelings. That exposes our emotions. So we withhold that because we don't want to be the one who said, I love you first. But despite all of that, God was not concerned as it relates to us. God wanted us to know that he loved us even before we were born. When we were formed in the belly, God said, I knew thee. When I think of the context of how God loves us, I can't help but be inspired by the way that parents love their children. Nowadays, particularly, it's such a celebration. There are so many celebrations that happen before the child is ever born. They have all they have all of these parties and they have these gender reveal parties. And then they they have parties for the, for the mother to, to bring clothes and to bring diapers. And they're, they're celebrating even the parents, even at this time, seems like more than ever before, have a name for that child. As soon as they know the gender of the child, so they're it's months ahead of the child's birth. They they know the, the gender. They know the name. And, the, and, the, and they are celebrating that child, even though the child has yet to be born. They already have a strong attachment and feeling of love to, for that child before it is ever conceived before, and before it's ever born. So when I think of that, I think of that as how God loved us. When we were just a thought in God's mind, he loved us. And he commended his love towards us in that he sent his son to die for us before we were even born. Before we were even conceived, God had a plan. God had a purpose. For us, God had a path that was designed for us. God loved us so much. He knew us by name and he sent his son to die for us. He was commending his love towards us. Why? Because God is love. One of the essential natures of who God is, is that he is love. And when you think of the nature of God, it seems like everything that is in the nature of God is different than our own nature. It seems like it's the antithesis of our own nature. One of the things about God, God is he's immutable. He changes not. Some of us, we change every day. Come on now. Some of us, we, we change emotionally and sometimes we change physically. Some of us, we have on so much makeup, you don't, you don't wear it one day. They'll be like, who, who are you? Are you sick? Is something wrong? Come on in here now. You had your short hair on Monday and you got your long hair on on Tuesday. People are about to hand you a visitor's card when you walk in. They don't know who you are. Heard somebody say new hair. Who this? (laughs) Don't even know who you are. Can't even recognize you. That's how quick. What I'm saying is that that's how quickly we change. Not not only in, in our physical appearance, but some of us change emotionally. Some of us, we happy and approachable on Sundays. On On Mondays, we have an attitude. Some of us have an attitude when we wake up in the morning because you say, I haven't had my coffee yet. Don't talk to me until after I've had my coffee, which means you're basically saying that you're a different person after you have consumed your coffee. You change just simply by consuming a little caffeine. What I'm saying is our human nature is that we change all the time. A lot of times the reason people get divorced and they say we have irreconcilable differences. What it is, is that the person you married and the person you're with now is different. They change over time. People change. They are not the same person that they were 20 or 30 years ago. It is the nature. It is human nature that we evolve, that we change, that we adapt. And what God, the nature of God is the antithesis of that. God is immutable. He says, I change not Malachi three and six for I am the Lord. I change not the same God that. And and this is the beautiful thing. The same God that David served is the same God that we serve. 
And the same God that was faithful to David will be faithful to us. David put it this way. I was young, but now I'm old. But never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread because I'm serving the same God. And even though I change, my God does not change. Another thing about the nature of God is that God is truthful. God is always telling you the truth and we know the truth will make you free. God is a man that he can. God is not like man that he can lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. But everything that God says is true. Numbers 23 and 19 says God is not man that he should lie, nor neither should he need to repent. God always comes forward with the truth. And our nature in our even in our very nature is deceptive. You don't have to teach a child to deceive because deception is in our nature. It's something that we have to because only by us attaching ourselves to God, only by us being saved and delivered by our fleshly nature. Do we come out of that that spirit of deception? But we praise God that he's always true. And whatever God says, it will come to pass. The nature of God is not only immutability and truth, but the nature of God is light. There is no darkness in him. John 1, 4 and 5 says in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. That means God is always giving us a light that shows us where we need to go. We have to come out of the darkness of our flesh. We have to come out of the darkness of our own minds, the darkness of our own plans and our own priorities to follow the light of Jesus Christ. And that's why we ask, Lord, let your let your word be a lamp. Unto our feet and a light unto our path. We need God's light because our flesh of itself is not illuminated. You're not a light by yourself. You're only a light because the God in you is shining forth. Without God, you are not a light. So we need God inside of us so that our lights can shine. God is not only immutable. The nature of God is immutability of truth and light, but also justice. Isaiah 45 and 21 says there is no God else beside me, a just God and a savior. There is none beside me. I thank God that we serve a just God, a God who sees us even when we're suffering injustice, when people are doing us harm, when people are doing us wrong. God always is just. And I praise God for in his very nature, he does not practice justice. I want to get you let you get that. He does not practice justice, but he is just. It is the central nature of who he is. Not only that, but another attribute of God is God is holy. First Peter one and 16 says, be ye holy for I am holy. So in our striving in our life, what we're always trying to do is be more like God. We're trying to follow the pattern of God. We're trying to follow the light of God so that we can follow in what he where he desires for us to go. We're not there. Let somebody, somebody point at your name and say, you're not there yet. You're not there yet. You're not there yet. You're, it's not our, 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 during our lifetime. This is a pathway. This is a journey where we are trying to get closer to God and we do not arrive there. But yet each and every day we work harder to get closer and closer to God because he is our standard of being holy. And finally, as I said, if we're talking about one of the attributes of God is that God is love. Love exists because God exists. Hotheos agapeum, meaning without God, the world would be bereft of love. Can you think of a world with no love in it? The only reason that we have love is because of God. 
God, love exists because there is God. And God showed us what love is. God loved so much that he gave. I mean, I often say that you can you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his son and he showed his love towards us before we were ever born. When it says only begotten, the phrase from the Greek exclusively with John, with the exception of Hebrews 11 and 17, means unique. His only begotten son is one of a kind. It's his only son. When it says it's given as the propitiation for our sins, meaning it's the sacrifice that atones us for our sins. And we and John, where we see the writing, is considered the disciple of love. So he writes in a way a very special relationship of Jesus and his connection to God. Many, many, many theologians say that Matthew tells us the genealogy of Jesus and Mark and Mark and Luke tell us what Jesus did. But John seems to be the one who tells us who Jesus is. In the very beginning, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. John starts off by revealing the godly nature of who Jesus really is. And part of that nature is love. Somebody point at your neighbor and say he loved us first. When I think about how he loved us, he gave us that agape love. We love him. John first John four nineteen. We loved him because he first loved us. He chose us. Even when we were in our mess, we did not have to get ourselves together to earn God's love. Isn't that wonderful to understand that I didn't have to do anything? I didn't have to do anything to earn God's love. God gave his love to me freely. Came to tell you any other relationship that you have in your life other than your children. There is some expectation for that love. You anticipate someone doing something to demonstrate that love. One of the few that, that where it's different, a parent, you're going to love that child. You, you want them to do better. You hope that they do better. You pray good things for them. But even if they don't, you still love them because they belong to you. They are your child. And that's how God loved us. Even when we fail and disappoint ourselves, God loved us. In fact, he loved us first. And when I begin to think about it, I begin to think of, of, of how, how Elisha, he told the woman, he said, I, I, now you're going to bear a son. Now, the woman didn't ask for a son, but Elisha asked her, he said, what do you desire from God? And the servant, his servant told him she has no man child. So Elisha told the woman, you're going to have a son. Now, later on, you remember the son gets sick and he dies. And then when she goes to the prophet, one of the first things she says is say, I didn't ask for a son. You told me I was going to have a son. You pointed that favor in my direction, even without me asking. And when I begin to think about that, I begin to think of the very nature of God's love. God's love is that type of love that even we didn't even ask for. Look at your neighbor and say, God, you didn't ask for it. But you didn't ask for it, but God gave it to you anyway. When I think of the nature of God's love, I begin to think, first of all, it's unmerited. We did not earn it. First John 4 and 10, hearing his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Nothing that we did earned his love, but he chose to love us. 
And I want to tell everybody who's hearing my voice, you've been chosen. If you ever feel like you're not special, I want you to understand at this very moment that God chose you. God chose to love you. You are special. You are unique. You are one of a kind. You are desired. Don't ever say that nobody wants you because God wanted you. God desires you. God chose you. God extended his love towards you without you doing anything except existing. You were born and God loved you. You were conceived and God loved you. Everything about you, about your conception to your birth was done wrapped in the love of God because you had to not you need not do anything to earn God's love. It is unmerited. Another thing I want to tell you about God's love is that it's unsought. We didn't ask for it like I told you. But he commended his love towards us while we were yet sinners, when we didn't have it together. See, some of you have it together now, and people might imagine or conceive why that someone might love you. But when you didn't have it together, when you didn't have your hair done, and you didn't have your nails done, and you didn't look cute, you didn't have your face on, you didn't didn't have your suit on, didn't have your cute dress or outfit on, when, when it seemed like you were in your most undesirable state, that's when God sent his love towards you. So I don't have to look good to deserve God's love. I don't have to prepare myself to earn God's love. In fact, my actions don't have to comport to a certain standard, even though they should. They should for me to be saved. But to get God's love, they do not. Because he sent his love. He loved me first. He loved me while I was in sin. He loved me before I knew what love was. He knew he loved me before I had any understanding of my purpose. God already loved me. So some of you right now, you're trying to get things together, but you haven't gotten them together. Don't ever think that God doesn't love you. He loved you before you even recognized that you should get it together. He loved you before you even tried to figure out what you want to look like. You in the mirror. Now you know what you want to look like. I need this much blush. I need this much. Before you even figured out what you wanted to look like, God already loved you. When you didn't even know how sinful you were. Some of you, you came to church and you're like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that either. And I shouldn't be doing that. Before you even figured that out, God already loved you. So no matter what situation you find yourself in, always remember he loved me first. He loved me first. It was unsought. It was unmerited. And I want to let you know that it's universal. That means anybody has the the, the potential of God's love. Everybody. The love was, was sent out for everyone. Nobody was left out. No matter where you're from, where you were born to, no, what your nationality, your race, any of that. It does not matter. God's love is universal. He sent his love out to all of humanity. He said, for God so loved the world, the whole world. It was universal to each of us. Another thing about the nature of God's love is that it's unbounded. We cannot contain how much God loves us. He doesn't just love you a little bit, but God, that we cannot contain the, the, the love of God. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, it is, you, you cannot measure, it is, it, it is unmeasurable. 
It is inestimable. You cannot estimate the value of God's love. That's how much he loved us. He didn't just send a little love in our direction, but he has a boundless love for us. He sought us with his love. And see, I don't want you to get confused because we often talk about we want to go to the cross. And yes, we want to go to the cross to receive salvation. But God's love found us where we were. You didn't have to go anywhere to receive God's love. God's love found you. I, I, I hope if you don't get anything else, I hope you get that. God's love found you. You didn't seek God's love. You didn't earn God's love. You didn't even get forgiveness to get God's love. He loved you before you ever sought forgiveness. Before you ever came and and kneeled at the cross. Before any of that, God already loved you. And I'm saying that to somebody. I don't care where you are. God's love is right there available where you are. In the middle of your mess, in the middle of your sin, in the middle of your mistakes, in the middle of you doing wrong in your past, in the middle of you doing wrong right now. God's love is yet available and God presented his love towards you in the middle of your mess. God's love found you. You didn't find God's love. Let me say it that way. You didn't find God's love. God's love found you. Thing about God's love is that it's unbroken. We can't stop his love. I want you to get this right here. When Paul says there in Romans 8. He says, he said, what can separate us from the love of God? And he said, no, no, no height, no depth, no any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. The only way we become separated from God's love is by we us refusing the love. That's the only way we can become separated because we refuse to be loved by God. And so, you know, people in your life that you feel like they refuse love. They don't want to be loved. They don't want to be bothered. They don't want help. They don't want you to extend your love or help or grace in their direction. And that's the only way that we can be separated from God's love is by refusing the love. But the moment, even wherever we are, God is. God is in every place. Is that what they, that's what you taught me? Beholding the evil and the good. God is everywhere if it, in heaven, in hell, in all of the earth. There is God. And because God is love, then his love is everywhere. So the only way you're separating yourself from his love is refusing to accept that which is available to you at any moment. At the moment where you decide to embrace God, his love is right there. You didn't find it. It found you. Point at your name. I want somebody to get this and say, you didn't find God's love. God's love found you. The other thing about it is not only is it unbroken, but it's unending. We never, never run out of God's love. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. His love does not end. His love does not run out. He loved us first. He extended us to us first. And wherever we are, we will always find his love. It's like that child. That child, no matter what mistakes they make, no matter what errors they find themselves in, whenever they decide to turn around, that mother and that father's love is right there waiting on them. It is still extended to them in the middle of their trouble, in the middle of their trial. Their love is right there. God's love is right there waiting on you. 
You don't have to wait on it, but God's love is waiting on you. So I'm saying this. I want to speak to this to someone who feels like I've made mistakes over and over and over and over again. I've sinned over and over and over again. I'm trying to come out of this addiction, but I keep falling back in over and over and over again. I'm trying to break the pattern, the chains that are holding me in my life, but I keep making the same mistake over and over and over again. Keep falling into the same trial. I keep falling into the same mess. And and we spoke about last week. Sometimes you feel shame because I'm still confronting the same problem. Some of us would feel less shame if we were confronting a different problem. But many of us feel shame because it's the same problem. I'm dealing with the same trial that I dealt with on last week. I'm dealing with the same problem that I was dealing with on last year. And I'm still working on it. I still desire to come out of it, but I have not come out of it yet. The devil will make you feel ashamed to acknowledge your sin to God. But but that's why he doesn't want you to, because if we confess our sin, God is faithful, more faithful than we are to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And despite that sin, we are not yet even separated from his love. His love is right there trying to extend a pathway through Jesus Christ back to God. It's like he always keeps showing you the right way. You ever been on GPS and then you you went in the wrong direction? Went in the wrong direction on your GPS. And you know what your GPS tells you? You go on the wrong way, it says, in 30 yards, make a U-turn. You blow past that, it'll say, in 50 yards, make a U-turn. Keep going the wrong direction. It's going to keep telling you to make a U-turn. It keeps telling you to go back in the right direction. And I want to let you know that God's love does the same thing for us. Keep saying, it's all right. You messed up again, but just turn around. You made that mistake over again, but baby, it's all right. Just turn around. And what the in God's GPS, it might have a little further direction for you. Not only will it tell you make a U-turn, but it says after you make the U-turn, I'm waiting on you. After you make the U-turn, here I am waiting on you. It's like I told you, like the the prodigal son's father, we always talk about his arms being extended to the son on the day that he decided to come back. But part of me believes that every day after the son left, God was just the, 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 the father was just walking out to the road trying to see if his son had come back home. His love did not change. His love did not end because the father, just like God, he loved us first. He was not ashamed to proclaim and show his love towards us. He was not ashamed to give the very best that he had to demonstrate his love for us because loving is also giving. So that means because loving is giving, God still gives to us when we're hurt. He still gives to us when we're doing wrong. God still, as many of you know, even while you were in the midst of your sin, God still was protecting you. God was still offering his protection to us. He was still extending his mercies. His mercies didn't become new every morning after you got saved. Come on now, because some of us know we needed the mercies the most. 
when we were out there doing what we were doing. Come on, hey, you don't have to tell me what you were doing. You don't have, you don't, we don't, we don't, you don't have to confess to me what you were doing. But whatever you were doing, God was yet giving out of love. He was giving you another chance. He was giving you another opportunity. He was giving you another day. He was giving you protection so that you did not die where you were. And I came to tell somebody today, you ought to praise God that he didn't let you die where you were. Praise God that I I, I didn't die while I was in my trouble. I didn't die while I was in my mess. I didn't die when I didn't know any better. But God allowed me to live long enough. Hallelujah. To show me which way was right. God allowed me to live long enough to get my mind focused on him. God allowed me to live long enough to embrace the love that was always available to me. We talk about God extending his hand in our direction. Baby, I want to let you know God's hand has always been extended in your direction. I want somebody to get that this morning. God's hand was always extended in your direction. The only difference between now and then is that now you put your hand up and allow yourself to take hold to the hand of God. But his hand was always there. Somebody look at your neighbor and say his hand was always there. I praise God that his hand was always there. When I was in the middle of my sin, his hand was waiting on me. When I couldn't get my mind right, his hand was waiting on me. When I didn't figure out how to get my life together, God's hand was waiting on me. And I praise God that even when I didn't want it, God's hand was extended in my direction. That's why David says, Lord, incline thine ear to me. He said, don't ever take thy Holy Spirit away from me. He said, don't ever take your presence away from me. David said, even when I'm done wrong, I praise God that his presence was close to me, that I was able to grab hold of the hand of God and he was able to lead me in the path that he desired me to go and I came to tell somebody this morning God loved you first God's hand has always been near you his love was always available all you have to do is grab hold of the hand of God I dare somebody to lift your hands this morning to grab hold of the hand of God everybody standing in this place I dare you to just lift your hands wherever you are and grab hold of the hand of God Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 God said, I I loved you first. He loved you first. That's something that we should remind ourselves of. That no matter what predicament we find ourselves in, God's love was always there and available to us. We turned our back on God, but he never, ever, ever turned his back on you. He always extended to you his very best. You want to know that feeling of how others might feel when they see God favoring us? We might feel like that older brother of the prodigal son. You remember the prodigal son, we often tell the story where he was going home and the father embraced him and the father threw a big feast for him. But 
The other part of that story is the older brother. The older brother was jealous. He said to the father, he said, why are you embracing him? Why are you throwing a party for him? Why are you showing him such kindness? He messed up. He went away. He spent your money. He was disrespectful and left the house. But yet you're welcoming him. And not only are you welcoming him back, you're throwing a big party in his honor. That prodigal son was all of us. And despite what we did, God's love was still welcoming us. And not only that, not only that, it seems like they talk about the angels rejoicing when a soul comes home. So when, 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 I, when I begin to think of the concept of home, how are we coming home if we're born into sin? How is it that we're coming home when we accept Christ? When we were born into flesh, we were born into sin, we were born into evil, we were born into wrong. But yet I'm reminded that when God formed Adam, he breathed his breath, his spirit into him. So it's not this flesh that goes home. This flesh doesn't make it to heaven. But it's the spirit that God breathed into us. So that when we become reconciled with God, we're returning to where we should be. Returning to where we should be. Like somebody told me and kind of changed my concept. I guess it was just a philosophical concept that the natural position of every door is when it's closed. The natural position of every door, no matter what type of door, the natural position is for the door to be closed. The door is more likely to be harmed or damaged while it's open than it is while it's closed. Because closed is its natural position. Same thing with us. Many of us, we're like that open door. And you know what? When you're an open door, sometimes you let things in that shouldn't come in. Just like that open door. That's what has happened in our lives. And when we let things in that shouldn't be in, it's because we're not in our natural position. God's saying, when you return to me, when you are in me, that's when you find your strength. When you are weak, then you are strong. Because when you come back to me, your natural position is with me. And he said, that's why you mess up. That's why you, you're on drugs and you're trying to get high and you're trying to get drunk and you're trying to deaden the pain of your life because you're not in your natural position. Your natural position is to come back home, to be with me. And I, I hope I'm sharing that with somebody right now. You feel in a, you feel disturbed where you are. You feel like you can't get things together. And God's saying the reason that you feel that way it's because you're not in your natural position. Your natural position is to come back home, to get in line, to have that relationship right with Jesus Christ. Can I pray with you? Heads about, eyes are closed. If you lift those hands. Lord, I ask that you touch us right now, Lord. 
Return us to our natural position with you to embrace the love that you have always made available to us. Strengthen us right now, Lord, our hearts and our mind and our resolve to return to you, Lord. Don't allow any obstacle to separate us from your love. But Lord, let us embrace the love, the hand that you've always extended in our direction. And Lord, you will lift us up. Set us up on our feet. Lord, on a rock and establish our goings to put us in a place and you'll uphold us even with your hand. We proclaim this right now in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching us virtually, praise God for you. And we'll look forward to seeing you again. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fun. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.